You're listening to episode 141 of the Tennis Files podcast. Proven secrets from the world's best coaches and pros. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. My name is Mehrban Iranshad, a former Division I college tennis player. And on the show, I interview the world's top coaches, pros, and experts to help you improve your tennis game. And today, I have a solo episode for you, but it's kind of a conglomeration in a sense, because I am actually going to give you and share... Nine proven secrets from the world's best coaches and pros. And what I've actually done is compile uh, nine different tips from my new ebook that I just created, my team and I, called the Tennis Secrets Playbook. And what this is, is uh, a product where I analyzed hundreds of my interviews throughout uh, the many years where I've um, interviewed pros and coaches and experts on my summits and my podcasts. And then I picked the best advice from over 35 of them and created an ebook with the best advice that I could find after scouring through all of those interviews. And I'm really happy to announce that you can download this ebook completely for free at tennisfiles.com playbook. So it was really a fun project for me to to go through these interviews and then kind of pick out the best pieces of advice from them and to share that with all of you. And I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, and I had my team make it look decent. You know, it's not just like a Word document or, you know, plain PDF. So it uh, looks pretty good, too, I think. Um, but always appreciate your feedback. So, yeah, you can download the ebook for free at tennisfiles.com slash playbook. And so I want to dive into these uh, nine different tips that I compiled for you. And so the first one, I'll just jump right in, is from James Blake, obviously just an amazing uh, tennis player from the United States. I believe he reached the top four in the world. And so I'll read you his quote. And James said, I would always sit down and go over the game plan with my coach about 30 minutes prior to walking on the court. Think what what I need to do to be successful Think about what the opponent is most likely going to do and how they can adjust if I'm being successful, how I may need to adjust if I'm not being successful. I'm picturing what can happen, what that can look like, and all the scenarios that can happen once I step on the court. And that gave me a bit of calm. People asked me if I ever got nervous. I never got nervous because I felt like I was just prepared for any situation that was going to come. And so... I really like what James said because preparation is key. I don't think that we as tennis players prepare enough. A lot of times we just jump on the court without any sort of plan, 
and we think that we can just wing it. But just like a lot of other things, it always helps to prepare. I know for myself, you know, when I'm doing these podcasts, if I were to just connect the microphone to my computer and just start talking for you all, it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't go too well. I mean, I could probably pull something out of my pants, but, uh, you know, it would, it would be a lot better if, if I prepared each time and that's, you know, that's what I do. And same thing, you know, with matches, although when I was younger, for sure, I was more of a reactive player, but over the years I've learned just how important strategy is from talking with just all these amazing world-class strategists, you know, Paul Anacone, Craig O'Shaughnessy, uh, Jeff Salzenstein, just so many uh, great minds who are, are, you know, analyzing points and and then just helping others formulate game plans on how to attack and use your strengths against your opponent's weaknesses and create point structures that'll get you to do that as much as you can so that you can have optimal results there. And, uh, you know, when you prepare and make plans and then back up your plan, or sorry, and have backup plans as well, then you're going to be more confident going into matches. So that's something that you also spend time doing, uh, you know, writing down what you're going to do in your upcoming matches and whether, you know, obviously it's optimal if you know your opponent's strengths and weaknesses, but even if you don't, maybe it's like a, you know, a league match, which I knock on whittle, you know, start up. When appropriate, of course, uh, you know, being currently that we're kind of isolated at home, we have to be, um, you know, when that when that comes back, uh, it's it's really important to at the very least focus on your strengths and your weaknesses and then uh, create points based around them. So I really like that from James. Uh, the next piece of advice comes from Paul Anacone. And again, I'll, I'll read you the quotes throughout and then talk about them a bit. So Paul said, Everyone's goal in life should be to get the most out of themselves. Whatever your potential is, to get as close as you can to that potential as possible. If you dictate your processes clearly and you stick with them and you let the results take care of themselves, that's going to be a good recipe. Uh, Great stuff from Paul as usual. Uh, I'm actually planning to interview him very soon for my upcoming uh, Tennis Summit 2020 and I really hope to see you there. In a couple of weeks, um, but yeah. So with what Paul said, I mean, you you really want to try to maximize your potential. Kind of going outside of, of tennis, but um, you know, somebody I mentioned before, David Goggins, he mentions how, uh, and you know, whether you're religious or not, it doesn't really matter too much. But just at the end of his life, just uh, talking to somebody and then them them saying. Hey, you know, you you were expected to to be able to do this and that, and your potential with this was this, and then uh, just you know knowing that you could have been much more than what you than the outcome of your your ultimate what you accomplished in your career. Uh, that's definitely if you look at it that way, then it's much easier to get off your chair and you know start working hard. So um, here, you know, you really want to just try to improve at least one percent every day. I think the calculation is that you'll be something like 37 times better. Yeah, 37 times better than you were at the start of the year if you go, if you improve yourself by 1% every single day for a year. And so you really need to try to establish processes and systems that will enable you to be successful. You know, things like scheduling your practices and your workouts on your calendar and then sticking with them 
or you know uh, making your your workouts with a buddy so that you have a sort of accountability system. Uh, maybe building in rewards to if you successfully complete your workouts for two weeks in a row, then you get something. So I mean, in the end, like Paul said, you've got to create processes, follow them, and then also just really keep in mind that results don't come right away. And it's of course, it's discouraging if you've been working on something for a few weeks and then you still are not able to uh, get the results that you want. But you have to remember that the breakthrough is just like, is basically like a practice away. Um, I really like this story about the individual. I forgot if you call him a Stonehenge, but it's, it's, it's like the person who hammers the rock a hundred times and then when that person finally stri- strikes it for the hundredth time and then the rock breaks uh you know even though to the surface it looks like it was that one strike that did it uh really it was all the strikes before that one last strike that that really did the job and then you know if this stonehenge or stone cutter um had struck the rock 99 times and then walked away then the the result that he was seeking would have never came, but he would have not known, you know, how close he was to achieving the result. So that that's just uh, a story that I like to keep in mind to keep me going and uh, motivated to uh, to keep working. Just got to keep working it, man and ladies. <laughs> so um, the next quote is from Michael Russell, a fantastic player uh, from the United States, uh, top 100, I think maybe even top 50, but I had him on the podcast as well. And actually, we'll, we'll include links to um, you know the episodes relevant to who I name on the podcast, you know, their, their quotes, who they're from. So uh, Michael said, the most important part of tennis that I'm sure you all have heard from your coaches is footwork. So make sure you follow the three parameters. The most important part, which is see the ball first, then the shoulder turn, then the feet. A lot of times, people move to the ball and then they try to turn and hit. The most important part is seeing the ball, then the hands and the shoulders move, and then the feet move. But if you work on your footwork and your spacing is good, it's much easier to hit the ball. It's not always just about technique. And the main thing to take away from this is that a lot of times people think their strokes are the culprit of their missed shots, but I don't know if this is an exaggeration, but you know, I feel like from what I've seen, like 80% of it is really the footwork because often when we're missing shots, we think it's our something to do with our arms and how we move and everything. But really what it is, it's you're hitting your shots off balance. You're not at the spot or you need to be in time so, so that you have enough time to to set your feet and then have an efficient motion. Uh, you get there late and then your your stroke is rushed. So it really comes down to your footwork. I mean, it's re- pretty much without fail, actually, when I'm playing. If I tell myself, hey, increase the footwork intensity, and I do that, and I'm like moving my feet way more intensely, then I'm, I'm more consistent automatically. It's those times where... Uh, you know, either my footwork is lazy or negative thoughts get to my head and I, I tighten up or something like that, which I feel at first in my feet, um, just not moving as well. And then it's downhill from there. So work on having efficient and effective footwork. Thank you to Michael Russell for that. All the best to you in Houston, my friend. 
so next we have Nick Boletari, the legend, legendary coach. He coached so many number one players. Many have gone through his doors, including uh, Maria Sharapova and Andre Agassi and just uh, so many. And it was really cool to actually meet him last year at the U.S. Open. And and from there, it was pretty cool. A few weeks later, I had him on my podcast. So that was pretty amazing. But Nick said, the game today is made up of techniques, movement, and mentality. So early on in the career of a youngster, make sure they work on their techniques, not playing tournaments at 10 and 11. Techniques, movement, physical fitness, and all aspects of the game. If you play competitively too soon, you will probably eliminate some things that will make him or her a better player later on in their life. And I actually want to read you this next quote by Taylor Dent. I actually grouped these both together because the advice is similar. And Taylor Dent, of course, is another amazing player, professional player from the United States who uh, is just uh, had one of the biggest serves in the game. I think he set the record at one point. I don't remember. It was maybe like 143 or 44 miles per hour. But um, Taylor was on the podcast and he said, care about being a better player nine months from now, because if you care about winning today, you're setting the bar too low. You're not allowing yourself to make mistakes to improve. You have to be relentless. Stop caring so much about winning today, especially in practice. And this one really resonates with me, and I'm sure a lot of you. I mean, a quick story is that uh, when I was younger, I highly prioritized winning over everything else. So I developed the game of, I mean, I guess you could say uh, a pusher. I mean, I you know, I was pretty successful. I reached uh, around number seven in the Mid-Atlantic area and around 200 or so in the country and got to play in a Super National Clay Courts event. But anyways, I mean... The thing is, my game became uh, one uh, that was very reactionary and just getting as many balls as I could back in the court. And what happened was, you know, once the 16s went away and the 18s came, I noticed that players who I had previously been out hustling, they all of a sudden had these big weapons like uh, big serves, you know, big forehands, uh, well-developed strokes overall, more aggressive game. And then they were taking a lot of time away from me and then attacking me and um, they were defeating me. And so I think I'm sure that a lot of these players who, uh, you know, they uh, had a lot of great training and, and great coaches. I mean, you know, I had good coaching too, of course, but um, they were developing their weapons and their big strokes at the time and it paid off. And another story too, uh, I rem- I think it was James Blake, if, you know, apologies if I'm wrong, but in one of my podcast episodes, one of my guests who was a former professional player, of course, which I think is, is James, he played Pete Sampras when Pete was just switching to a one-hander. And I think it was James who beat Pete. And then at the net, uh, you know, when Sampras shook hands, he was just kind of like grinning. Um, and, and the story there was that Pete was, was smiling, just knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with this loss. Uh, I know that I'm, I'm switching, you know, my, to a one-hander, but the vision there was that he wanted to be successful on the pro tour and at Wimbledon. And he felt like for his game, that switching to a one-hander would, would be the best move for him. And so he focused on his long-term development and uh, and that's why when you do that and you have that end goal in mind and you, you forego the small um, little wins in favor of uh, ultimate success, that is 
really what you need to be doing. So, you know, when you're and, and it, you know, it's very calming too, in a sense. I mean, it's, it's not that you should just say, oh, I'm always trying to improve. So I, I don't care about winning at all. But by the same token, uh, you know, if if you're working on something and uh, and and maybe you lose a few matches, you 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 know, just realize that, hey, this is this is going to happen. I'm I'm changing something in my game. I'm working on something. So whether I'm losing a practice match or, or a tournament match, as long as I'm sticking to uh, what I need to work on to become successful later on, that's no problem. All right. Uh, next quote here from the Tennis Secrets Playbook, which you can download for free at tennisfiles.com slash playbook. Is from one of my all-time favorite people to talk to, Dr. Mark Kovacs. He's a he's actually the uh, senior director of sports science for the Cleveland Cavaliers now, but he's the co-founder of the International Tennis Performance Association and founder of the Kovacs Institute. And he is just the the king of biomechanics in, in my mind. Um, so Mark said, the most important thing is to take care of the beginning parts of the motion. Too many times we focus on contact, but we want to make sure we take care of the mechanics early on. Especially the release of the ball and the loading mechanics, and he's referring to the serve here, make sure that 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 is done correctly. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. And then over time, we can spend more time at contact once the base and the foundation of the serve is done right. Too many times we work backwards from contact rather than starting where it really matters. But you've got to find the cause, fix the cause, and then we can work our way to contact. Too many players are too concerned about contact early on when they don't have the good mechanics to start with. And this is huge. I mean, if you want to think about, um, yeah, the serve, of course, or even like the back end, let's say, you know, if you want to start with the beginning in mind, um, because that it's simply the, in my, you know, my opinion as well, the easiest way to tackle issues. Because you know, what happens when your unit turn is not good? Let's say your unit turn really consists of you just moving your arms first. Well, then, what you know, why not fix that instead of, you know, start with like the the uh, loaded position you know on your backhand or like the contact point um, and the thing is like your bad unit turn will affect the rest of your motion as well so that's why you want to start with the beginning of the motion and and you know even to start with your your grip what what grip are you using make sure that that's appropriate for what type of stroke you want to have and then from there uh, your your footwork and then your unit turn and that is the way really to do it. So I definitely agree with, with Dr. Mark Kovacs. Just take it piecemeal. Look at each phase of your stroke from the beginning. And then that will be the best approach to uh, tackle your technique. So, all right. Uh, the next quote here is from Emilio Sanchez. And Emilio said, Tennis is so difficult, but tennis is a habit. 
So whatever you want to improve, you have to come out of your comfort zone and practice it and practice it because it's going to come. Have the patience to step out of your comfort zone continuously to be able to reach your goals. And tennis is going to pay you back. When you do that and you do it well, then you have to restudy the game and then find something else. If you have that mentality, you'll become a great tennis player. When you already have something in your pocket and you do it well, go out and find something else to learn. And I like this mindset of trying new things and then adding to your toolkit. Um, One story that I've said maybe once before or so on the podcast is that I used to hate to serve in volley when I was playing doubles. Uh, I would just prefer to serve and then rip forehands. And uh, but, you know, you want to be able to have other skills in your toolkit, too. So uh, and, you know, I would sometimes I would half commit, you know, I would serve and volley a couple points, miss a couple first volleys and say, screw this. I'm just going back to my like my winning formula here. But then one day I said, you know what, even if I get broken every single game, I'm committing to improving my volleys and my serving volley specifically. And, you know, so what? This is practice. So then I, every game I served and volleyed, I think I'm, maybe I held like half the time or so. Um, but I, you know, I kind of broke through that mentality of, of caring so much, uh, especially in practice, uh, about my results. And so I developed um, the skill to be able to serve and volley more often. And so that comes in handy, you know, whether in singles or doubles, um, you know, throwing that play in a couple times and, uh, you know, that, that way you give the person more looks as well, the opponent. So I like that uh, from Amelia. appreciate that there, that great advice. Uh, next quote is from Gigi Fernandez, a 17-time Grand Slam champion. And I forgot to mention uh, Emilio Sanchez is a former top 10 pro, uh, amazing player as well. And he has an academy now. Uh, which is very cool, and he was on my podcast a little while ago. So yeah, with Gigi now, Gigi said, you don't want to be predictable. If you over-serve and volley, then you're going to, then you're pointing out that you're going to serve and volley every time, and then they'll just throw up a lob. But if you're serving and staying back once in a while, like once a game or once to each side, then you keep them guessing. So there's a lot of things you can vary with your serve. And I like this concept, and that's why a lot of times I like to talk about disruptive plays and you know inherent in that is simply giving the opponents different looks so whether that's poaching sometimes using an eye formation sometimes an Australian formation whether that's serving and volleying sometimes staying back other times that way you give your opponents uh, no room or very little room to get comfortable on their returns and that's very helpful because there's been many times in my matches where you know, in the first few games, my partner and I in doubles, let's say, we've been just uh, keeping our same sides and uh, not varying up anything, really. And sometimes, you know, you get into, okay, you know, let's just play it straight up in the beginning. And next thing you know, you've been doing it for like over half the match. So, you know, changing it up and having these different formations and so forth is really key to uh, to keeping your opponents guessing and then them not knowing where you're gonna be and then getting a lot of uh, a lot of balls uh, that you can just poach on or you can destroy uh, whatever side it is. So great stuff there from Gigi. Next is uh, advice uh, is from Pat Echeberry and he is a you know one of the best uh, you know fitness coaches out there uh, tennis specific. 
And Pat said, tennis is a lower body sport. Most people think that it's an upper body sport. But if you look at the top players in the world, they're much more developed from the lower body. It takes energy and power to get to the ball, stop, and then hit the ball onto the other side. I think the top players in the world, the Federers, the Nadals, and the, the Serenas, they spend as much time off the court as they do on court. It's the cost of staying healthy. And at the end of the day, if you don't know how to move on the court, either with a racket or in basketball, I don't care how good your technique is on the court. If you lose power and conditioning in the middle of the match, you'll start losing more points. And yes, fitness is really, really important. You know, there's been quite a few times, unfortunately, where I've been playing in matches and I have uh, a very good start. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, my opponent is able to keep their level up longer than I can. And so when your level declines, no matter what you've done in the beginning, you're going to lose. Uh, unless your opponent's level also drops. So fitness is really important. And whenever I've been my fittest, I played at my best. So when my fitness is not good, I do not have confidence, <laughs> uh, especially if your game is predicated upon being fit and getting a lot of balls back in play. So you've got to be fit. you got to pay attention to that, the different facets of that, um, whether that's flexibility, mobility, power, endurance, agility, you know, all these different aspects of fitness. Uh, but, you know, that's why nothing worth achieving is easy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different aspects of tennis that you've got to really maintain and improve in order to, to, to be at the top level there. So, and I, I also think that it was Michael Russell, one of the fittest players on tour, that said that it was because he had lost a match after tiring out I think in a, one of the Grand Slams that he that's when he committed to being uh, to to never losing a match because of fitness again, and that really is what propelled his career to getting him to the top 100 in the world. So fitness, man, you you can't can't ignore that. Uh, I got one more quote for you, and this one is from Todd Whittem, and yet another former professional tennis player, and he has the. Uh, Todd Whittem uh, Tennis Academy now, and I had him on my podcast somewhat recently as well. He's down in Florida now. He has uh, a lot of great students there. And Todd said, many times I had a lot of different game plans based on the opponent that I was going to play, whether I was in junior tennis, in college tennis, or in professional tennis. And I could just flip the game plan and try to do something else if game plan A or B wasn't working. Some of the best wins that I had on tour, I had to play game plans that were totally against what I was naturally good at. But I had worked many hours in practice throughout my whole life on developing so many different skills that I had to bring out during my matches. And so this is similar to what uh, what Emilio said uh, about adding to your toolkit. So that enables you then to develop more game plans. And it's also... Uh, Correlates with what I was talking about earlier about uh, disrupt disruptive plays. You know, the more plays that you have in your pocket, the more skills you have in your pocket, the more different looks you can give against your opponent. And you know, there's going to be days where, you know, okay, like I'm I'm a really good really good grinder or baseliner. Oh, but so is my opponent. Okay, well. That might be tough, so let's see what else we can do. Oh, actually, uh, this person does not play well at net, so if I 
chip some short balls and make him come up to net, then I can uh, I can beat him that way, or uh, I I can attack his balls and and then have more success this way. So if you're just one dimensional, then you won't be able you won't have as many choices. But uh, you know this is why having several game plans and I guess I'm kind of mixing the advice here obviously but having different game plans gives you more ways of winning especially if your primary game plan isn't working and uh, you know one other thing to illustrate this is that my partner and buddy Diego and I uh, was also a great uh, well he was a great college tennis player but we played a doubles match recently as part of our government league and we were actually getting destroyed in our doubles match and and our opponents they were just crushing returns like unbelievable returns uh, against our normal game of you know serving and volleying and 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 whatnot or like staying one back uh you know one serve and then stay back so what we actually did and this was i give credit to diego he said you know what let's play two back when serving and actually when returning too because we, you know, we kind of went back to our um, our games of just like being really, really good uh, baseline grinders, and also obviously we were getting destroyed with whatever we were doing before, <laughs> so we resorted to two back. And guess what? We reeled off. I think it was something like six or seven games in a row. It's ridiculous. And um, you know, it was obviously something that the other team had not played against as much. And it worked really well for us. And, you know, that's the key with what they call strategery, my friends. It's <laughs> it, it, it can really change the match. And, you know, the you really it's like a game of chess. You just think more out there. And I've as I mentioned, you know, I historically had been a reactive tennis player just going out on the court and just getting whatever was hit at me or away from me back to the court and just going from there and you know I did have success with it but as I've been thinking more out on the court and listening to other people you know like whether it's my doubles partner Victor or Diego or uh, what I've learned from all these hundreds of, of amazing coaches and pros and experts that I've interviewed and implementing those strategies those have won me a lot of points and it's just so satisfying to be able to think that hey I took the time to study and I took the initiative to implement what I studied which is more important than the first thing that I just mentioned of learning and and I got a positive result and I wouldn't have got that result if I didn't take the time to learn and implement so that's why it's important to listen to podcasts and and uh, watch videos and and all that from from the world's best and to implement those those strategies so uh yeah I, those are the quotes there that i i hope you enjoyed and uh, i hope that having them in my voice was okay with you all um but again if you thought that the advice of the these proven seekers from these coaches and pros were helpful to you i would highly encourage you to go to tennisfiles.com slash playbook to download my new Tennis Secrets playbook for free. Uh, obviously, can't get it uh, cheaper than free, and uh, I really hope that you enjoy it. And just check out check out uh, the Tennis Secrets playbook at tennisfiles.com slash playbook. 
Also, very relatedly, I want to let you know about Tennis Summit 2020, which is coming up in a couple weeks from today's recording, actually less than a couple weeks. And I'm recording this on Monday the 6th of April. And yeah, just to uh, just to kind of recap quickly is we're going to have um, over 30 sessions on technique, strategy, fitness, and the mental game to help you level up your game. So basically any part of your game that you're having trouble with, we've got online sessions for you. And the amazing thing is that this event is free and online. So you can go to tennisfilesummit.com to to register. And actually, if you go and download the playbook, then you automatically get a free ticket to, to the summit as well. And we got some incredible people, many of people who I've mentioned here, uh, People like Jeff Salzenstein, Paul Anacone, Gigi Fernandez, Louis Caillé, uh, Peter Freeman, Ian Westerman, Will Hamilton, Dr. Mark Kovacs, Jorge Capistani, Faisal Hassan, just like so many incredible coaches and experts and trainers and uh, mental game experts who are going to be on this summit. Um, we, we're going to have more on-court lessons actually than ever before. We also have some fantastic point analysis sessions for singles and doubles uh, and uh, some presentations that are excellent and master classes uh, interviews so all sorts of great things and you can watch them all for free for a limited time so again if you can if you go to tennisfiles.com slash playbook or tennisfilesummit.com you will get access to that and yeah it starts april 20th goes through that whole week and I really hope that you enjoy it. So check it out. A lot of great resources for you to learn from. And uh, I've got to say, of course, I really hope that everybody is is doing well and staying strong during these times. You know, I'm very, I feel extremely fortunate to be able to just have things to do to work. I'm pretty much just working on this summit the whole time. And also my uh, podcasts, of course, and I'm able to work from home for my full-time job and, you know, I go on walks and I do uh, workouts at home and I try not to eat like a a crazy person, which, you know, (laughs) unfortunately, I sometimes I have, I'll have to admit, but, uh, you know, the key there is the exercise and the routine, Uh, you know, on some of the days where I have not implemented my normal routine consisting of things like, uh, exercise, journaling, meditation, those things, I have not felt as good. And so really highly encourage you to get on your exercise game. I'm actually uh, scheduled to do a workout with my friend Dean Hollingworth, a tennis fitness expert and extraordinaire, uh, this coming Sunday at noon on Instagram Live so that (laughs) you're going to see how fit or fat or both that I am. Um, but yeah, so yeah, just uh, wishing you all the best and wishing you good health. And also, uh, you know, I hope that all of you are doing okay. It's it's a tough time financially and mentally and, and everything. But we will definitely pull through this and just, uh, just stay busy. Try to improve yourself. I mean, whether that's reading, studying, doing things that you haven't had time to do and keeping up those relationships with your family. I mean, that's the most important thing in the end is the relationships we have uh, over wins and losses and, and money and fame and all that. So 
Anyways, wishing you all the best, and I'll leave you with a quote first before I bid you adieu. And the quote is by William Arthur, sorry, William Arthur Ward. And William said, when we seek to discover the best in others, we somehow bring out the best in ourselves. Really love that. All right, all the best to you all. Uh, again, download the free uh, ebook that I just created, the Tennis Secrets Playbook at tennisfiles.com slash playbook. I'll have all the links pertinent to this episode at tennisfiles.com slash 141. And wishing you all the best. Take care of yourselves. Be safe and healthy. And we will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.